Preach the word of God. Morning, everyone. Awesome. Wow, God's good, eh? Some good testimonies. Just, um, just to let you know that um, there was several people that have been fasting, um, and it was sort of like not spontaneous, but just encourage you that there's several, and some are even in a in the middle of a 40-day fast, and so, and it wasn't sort of planned. So I just encourage you to, to pray for those, you don't know who they are, I'm not going to say who they are, of course, but just to pray in your own quiet time, just to pray for those that are fasting. Um, a lot of it's came out of um, Lou Engel in the States who called a 40-day fast, a worldwide 40-day fast, beginning on the 1st of March. And so and there's thousands and thousands signed up around the world, especially young people. And basically, Lou Engel's cry is that um, for another awakening to happen, a bit like the Jesus revival back in the 70s, but more than that. But I think he was really, this focus was that Jesus would come back to the church as the evangelist and because he believes there's a big harvest that God wants to bring. And so... Some of you felt stirred by that, and so there's several of you who are fasting. More than I, I'm surprised, there's probably six or seven, maybe even more. Some are doing, said oh, in the process of doing 40 days. You probably know after a while, but you look, they start to look skinny, and so you think, ah, it must be you. That <laughs> um, there's some doing one day fasts a week, some are doing a week, some do, it's all different types of fasts, but that's I just say that's encouraging because it means that God's up to something, doesn't it? The best definition I've heard of fasting is, and I've preached on this, fasting is a homesickness for God. In other words, it's saying, I'm so hungry for you, Lord, I don't want to eat. <laughs> Basically, it's saying, I'm prepared to give up my food because I want more of you. And that's one of the best definitions I've heard. It's a homesickness for more of God. And so when that happens like that, there's something happening, eh? there's something stirring. And so I would encourage you maybe even to pray and ask God if you're meant to fast, you know, even if it's one day a week. It's not so much the length of time, it's about obedience. I'm doing just one day, I'm not here to spout off, but because of medication I take, it's, it's probably a bit dangerous to do any more than that for me. Um, because the medication is quite strong. But whatever God tells you, that's the thing. It's about obedience. He might just tell you to just to do like a, you know, breakfast at dinner time. I don't know. But ask God, because it's like something's God's doing something. And so we need to tap into that. And so if you want to join that just for March, maybe a bit longer. The 40-day fast goes from March to about the second week in April, I think. But, I mean, God's doing something, and so we need to be tuned in. Is that okay? So it's exciting.
40 days, that's a good time. Wow. Imagine if we all did 40 days. Well, we'll be always skinny. <laughs> um, that's for real. But anyway, let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this morning. Thank you for your presence here. And as I talk about you, Holy Spirit, again, I thank you that you're here already. But we invite your Holy Spirit to come even more. We thank you what you're doing. You're doing a lot more than we can imagine. Sometimes we don't see it all, but you see it and you're doing something deep. So we invite you this morning as I talk about the Holy Spirit. You would come and you would even visit us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So turn to James chapter 4. James. James, if you know where James is, after Hebrews. And it's before 1 Peter. There you go. The general. James chapter 4. An extra fact, this never, he wasn't called James, isn't it weird? His name is Jacob, okay? It was never James. The good old English took over and changed it to James. <laughs> I've no idea why, it's really weird, but it's exactly his name was Jacob, not James. So if you've got James on top of your Bible, everyone of you here, if you're an Englishman, just cross it out and write in Jacob, because that's his name, not James. Fascinating, eh? Because probably King James wrote the King James translation. He said, I want to put James in there. I don't know. But it's not biblical. James chapter 4, or Jacob chapter 4, verse 5. Here we go. You all there? James chapter 5, or Jacob says, See, I can't get, get out of your head to see. They've been, been brainwashed. Jacob chapter 5, 4, sorry, verse 5. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that the spirit he calls to live in us envies intensely? Or do you think the Scripture says without reason that the spirit he calls to live in us envies intensely? He has put the Holy Spirit within us. God's done that. And he envies intensely. I want to read the Amplified Version first because this is what the Amplified Version says. Is the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, whom he has caused to live in us, yearns over us and he yearns for the Spirit to be welcome with a jealous love. Wow. I think this describes in a nutshell how the Holy Spirit longs for our intimacy. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit but he wants our intimacy. 
He's far more enthusiastic and excited about an intimate relationship with us than we are. It's his very nature and his personality. The Holy Spirit yearns, in other words, longs for, he has a longing, a desire for our fellowship like a jealous lover. I love that verse. So the Holy Spirit lives within us and he yearns like a jealous lover. He wants and longs for a relationship with us. We have to long for him and learn to host his presence. When Frohley got up before, that's basically what she was saying, that we have to welcome him. He yearns for us like a jealous lover, but we have to respond by yearning for him. We have to long for intimacy and relationship with him because he's like a jealous lover. It's an amazing verse, isn't it? In another translation by a guy called Kenneth West, it means no, nothing to you, but he's a well-known theologian and he's written a few books um, in terms of the Greek language. And he's translated this verse this way. The Holy Spirit who has been caused to make his permanent home in us. Now that's incredible in itself. He has been caused to make his permanent home in us. If you're a believer here this morning, he has taken up permanent home in us. He has a passionate desire to control us. We don't like that word, but it's taken in a positive sense. He has a passionate desire to control us to the point of envy over any controlling and dwelling sin may have over us. And remember I talked about the fact that one of the reasons the Holy Spirit has come is he's come to make Jesus more real. But he has a passionate desire to take control of our lives over any indwelling sin in our lives. So if you've got indwelling sin in your lives, part of the job of the Holy Spirit is he wants to take control of that. He wants to come and take that, and he wants it to be yielded to him that he may take control of our lives in those areas. And so if you're struggling with sin, that's one of the reasons why the Holy Spirit's inside you. He's passionate. He's envious. Notice the two words in those translations, the words jealousy and envy. They're strong words. In other words, he has no rivals. He hates sin in our lives because he is the Holy Spirit. Holiness is who he is. That's why it says the Holy Spirit's come into the world to convict the world of what? Sin and righteousness and judgment. You see, when you come to Christ, what begins to happen is that you begin to feel convicted of things in your life that are not right. You can't convict anybody. It's as you preach the gospel, conviction will come. When you're in revival, that's one of the things that happens, that usually there's a, an incredibly strong sense of conviction of sin because the Holy Spirit comes and convicts people of sin. That's his job. And he lives within us. 
And because he's holy, he will convict us. Conviction is not condemnation. Conviction is just a, you know, what I'm doing is actually sinful. It's wrong. One of the greatest sermons ever spoken was in the 17th century in the... uh, in America, they had the revival, the first revival, the Great Awakening by Jonathan Edwards. Um, he got up and he spoke, sinners in the hands of an angry God. I want not to preach that today. But he was just a, a guy who had thick glasses. He could hardly read the scriptures and he'd read like this. And he began to quote about sinners in the hands of an angry God. And the Holy Spirit fell. But it fell to such a level that people fell out of their chairs on the floor and started screaming out because they literally thought they were sliding into hell because there was such conviction of the Holy Spirit. And that's when the third or the second great awakening began to happen in America. But when the Holy Spirit comes to that level, the first thing that happens is the conviction of sin. You suddenly realize he is the Holy Spirit and he begins to convict because he doesn't because he's holy he comes to deal with sin it's not to condemn us but he wants us to confess those things and bring them to Jesus and he wants to take control of those areas of our lives and so the reality is often we can sit in church and be living in sin and not feel convicted do you realize that's something wrong with that picture because if we have the holy spirit And if we come together and worship Jesus, if we're not convicted of our sins, if we're living in sin, something's wrong. It just shows you how, at a low level, the church is really at. That's the reality. Because when the Holy Spirit comes, he will bring conviction. You won't better sit there and live in your sin, because he will begin to convict you. And so you know when you're in the midst of a an outpouring or when the Holy Spirit is really moving because the first thing will happen is that you'll begin to feel because he is a jealous lover. He wants all of our lives. He's envious. And so he'll begin to convict us of sin. And he comes and he begins to clean up our lives. Then notice the context there in James. Let's read a bit of it. Let's go to verse 5. Verse 4. It says in verse 4, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think the scripture says without reason, the Holy Spirit he has caused to live in us envies intensely? But he gives us more grace. That is why the scripture says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, your sinners. Purify your hearts and double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Interesting, isn't it? Notice the context. Adulterous people. Notice it doesn't say idolatry, it says adulteress. What's an adulteress? An adulteress is the one, if you're a married couple and you go and you sleep with someone else besides your husband or your wife. That's adultery. 
And what it means is that we give our love and affection and our close friendship to someone else or something else. And what it's saying is that friendship of the world means we become an enemy of God. We become an enemy of God. In other words, the Holy Spirit is grieved because he is a jealous lover. He wants all of our lives. He wants all of our affection. And so the reference here is not to physical adultery, but to spiritual adultery. And the whole conception here is is based on the common Old Testament idea that God is the husband of Israel and Israel is the bride of God. And the prophets, it talks about the fact your maker is your husband, the Lord of hosts is his name. And then it says in uh, Jeremiah 3.20, Surely as a faithless wife leaves her husband, so you've been faithless to me, O house of Israel, says the Lord. You see, the whole thing with Israel was, he's, God was saying, you're married to me, I'm your husband. But they went and started to turn away from him and begin to live in sin. He said, you're like an unfaithful wife. In other words, you're committing adultery. You were married to me, but you're trying to find your satisfaction and fulfillment in someone else besides me. That's quite scary, isn't it? The picture of Israel as the bride of God and God as the husband of Israel is something very precious in it. It means that to disobey God is like breaking the marriage vow. It means that all sin is sin against love. That means that our relationship to God is not like the distant relationship of a king and subject or a master or a slave, but it's like the intimate relationship of a husband and wife. It means that when we sin, we break God's heart. As the heart of one partner in a marriage may be broken by the distortion or by the Desertion of the other. And that's what the Holy Spirit is like. He says, I am a jealous lover. And he says, if you love the world, it means you hate God. Because you're giving your affections and your love to someone else. And it can be anything in your life. It can be sports. It can be your job. It can be your finances. It can be whatever it you want it to be. But when your affections are taken away from him and that intimate relationship, then you begin to grieve him. See, the Holy Spirit is a jealous lover. He wants all of our love. He yearns for intimacy. And so that means we have to learn how to develop a friendship with him and a relationship with him. And he's grieved very easily. See, God is all sufficient for your needs, your wants, and your hopes, and your dreams. He belongs to you. But that's not all he is good for. He is all sufficient for your obedience, your purity, your holiness, and your calling. You belong to him. He did not begrudgingly redeem your life and set you free from the slavery of sin to go and ignore him and run your own life. He freely gave himself for you. He wholeheartedly took your place. 
He loved you. You were ransomed not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus. We are the church, which he obtained with his own blood. The Holy Spirit lives within you, and he is the one who is a jealous lover. He wants all of our affections. He wants all of our obedience. He wants all of our purity. He wants all of our holiness. You see, we want the Holy Spirit. But it depends upon how we respond to him. Because we can quench him, we can grieve him. If we are living in sin, or if we have our affections and our hearts somewhere else, somewhere else it actually grieves him. The Holy Spirit is a person who can be known. That means he has a personality. That means that he enjoys some things and he dislikes some things. We might not like it, but he has favorites. Did you know that? We say, how can that be possible? God has favorites. The Holy Spirit has favorites. And he hangs around closer to some people than others because he can trust them with what he does and he trusts them with his feelings and his heart. He begins to reveal his character around those he trusts. There are some people that just seem to have an incredible sense of the Holy Spirit upon their lives more than others because he can trust them because he's a jealous lover. And we might not like that, but he has favorites. Remember that Holy Spirit is the Spirit of the Lord. He is God. And Lord means the one who completely owns something. So to say that the Spirit of the Lord is the Lord of my life is to say that he completely owns every ounce of my being. It means he has the right to tell me what to do and not what to do. He can tell me not to go somewhere. He can tell me to go there and do this. He's allowed to say no to me because that's the nature of who he is. He is the Holy Spirit who is Lord. He's fully God. We talked about this. He's not some mystical thing. He's the third person of the Godhead. Everything the Holy Spirit does is to take us and reveal Jesus. Everything he does is centered towards Jesus. The Father was in the garden. Jesus came. Jesus is back at the right hand of the Father. He sent the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who is in the earth administering the kingdom. I think I said last week, if the Holy Spirit left the earth, that would be it. It would be all gone. Because once the only thing that restrains evil on the earth is the Holy Spirit hovering over the earth. If he lifts and goes off the earth, that's good night. The curtains are up. The earth is finished. Because the Holy Spirit is the restraining force. And the incredible thing is that he lives in us. And so we are the light and the salt of the earth. We're the ones, you realize that every one of us here are preserving the world, preserving like salt. We're salt and we're light. Our lives 
We don't even realize that our lives are actually helping to restrain evil in the world because we have the Holy Spirit. It's incredible, isn't it? And so that's why the church is so important. Everything that God does, he does through his church, through his people, because we have the Holy Spirit. And so we need to understand the Holy Spirit and long to be his friend because he is jealous for us. He's a jealous lover. He wants our intimacy. He wants our lives. He wants our lives to be surrendered to him and begin to flow with him, what he's doing. In other words, my life is not my own if the Holy Spirit is Lord. And I think it's a place of surrender before him. He loves to hang around and reveal himself to those who surrender to him. And I've been keeping on saying that you can't make the Holy Spirit come. It just comes out of surrender. It's surrendering our lives and yielding our lives to him. And the key is our obedience. God does not just wait for us to obey, but he watches to see how quickly we obey. And we need to come to the place where we want God to know that when he speaks, we will jump with obedience. He just wants our obedience. And learning to follow the Holy Spirit is about having a childlike trust. He will ask us to do things that at the times will seem absolutely insignificant, even strange, sometimes will even seem bizarre, but he uses them to be bridges that connect heaven and earth. And sometimes it's just simple steps of obedience that will release God's presence into a situation. It's not by might or by power, it's by his spirit. And often the activity of the Holy Spirit is released simply by our simple acts of obedience. And sometimes those acts of obedience can be so small, but if you act upon it, the Spirit of God will turn up and do something. It's like it connects with heaven. Something happens. I think when you, you know what I'm talking about. Because our obedience shows our surrender to him. I'm just going to, we're going to look at some examples, just very simple examples in the New Testament. Acts chapter 8. Turn to Acts. Remember the Acts? It's interesting. Why is it called Acts? It's called the Acts of the Holy Spirit or the Acts of the Apostles. But it's actually the Acts of the Holy Spirit. It's all about what the Holy Spirit does when people are yielded to him. You see, if I ask you about your lives, could you give me all the lives of the Acts of the Holy Spirit in your life? What is the testimony of Southside? It should be about the acts of the Holy Spirit. It's not about what we did. It's when the Holy Spirit comes and does something in our lives. Look at Acts chapter 8. Go over. We're going to read from verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, interesting, it doesn't say how the angel spoke to him, it doesn't say if he saw the angel or what. I'm always fascinated because when you read through it, it doesn't say how it happened. It just says an angel of the Lord spoke. What does that mean? Who's had an angel speak to them? 
Crowley has. How many else? Yeah. Interesting, isn't it? I haven't. How many of you, you know, just two. But hey, this is quite common in the book of Acts. <laughs> I don't say, it doesn't say how it happened. I don't know. Did he come and stand before him and visibly see an angel? Or did he just hear a voice? Interesting, isn't it? But it says, the angel of the Lord spoke to him and said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, notice something, obedience. He didn't go, what am I going to do that for? He didn't stand there and argue. All right? Obedience, that's the key. When he speaks, you obey. Even though it sounds ridiculous, Philip was in a revival. And suddenly the angel of the Lord spoke to him. Go down to the road, south road, the desert road. What am I going to go in the desert for? I'm in a revival. He didn't stand there and argue. Right? So he started out on his way to meet the Ethiopian eunuch and an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. Here we go, verse 29. The Spirit told Philip. There we have it. The Holy Spirit spoke to him. Here we have an angel of the Lord. He obeys, so he's going down towards the desert. And then suddenly the Spirit of God speaks to him, go to that chariot and stay near it. Look at Philip's response. Then Philip ran. That says something in itself. He ran in obedience. If he didn't run, he would, if he didn't run, he would have missed the chariot, right? He ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains to me. Amazing. Divine appointment. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading the passage of Scripture. He was like a sheep in the slaughter as a lamb before the shearer's silent. So he didn't open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants for his life is taken from the earth? The eunuch said to Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else. Talk about an open opportunity. Then Philip began with the very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. And as they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both and Philip and the eunuch went down to the water, and Philip baptized them. And when they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. He got transported in the Spirit. I've heard testimonies. I met a man once who was transported in the Spirit. He was in a dangerous situation. He was running through a village, and he said next minute he was in another village. Bang! Just like that, transported by the Spirit. It does happen. But what I want to see here, see, Philip was obedient the voice of the Holy Spirit spoke to him. It's interesting because the Ethiopian church is probably one of the oldest churches in the world. The Coptic Christians were in Ethiopia even this very day. But here was one man, a eunuch, an Ethiopian to the king. And he was the one that took the gospel to Ethiopia. You see how obedience is so important. Philip was obedient to the voice of the Holy Spirit. If he wasn't obedient... It wouldn't have happened. But notice he ran. 
You see, that is the key, our obedience. When the Holy Spirit speaks something, for goodness sake, do it. Just do it. Even though it sounds crazy. Even though it might sound, you're not quite sure. I've noticed anybody you can find out is a step out. Sure, you might fall sometimes. But if you're not sure, say, oh, well, we've got nothing to lose here. Let's have a go. I'll soon know if it's right or wrong. But you have to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. Here we see the powerful combination of the voice of the Holy Spirit and our obedience. If you say, I don't hear his voice, or I don't hear his voice anymore, the question is, when did he speak to you last, and when were you obedient? That's a good question. If you say, well, I haven't heard the Holy Spirit speak to me for a while, stop. Go back. When did you speak to me last? And was I obedient? That's the question. Because you see, if we are consistently disobedient, guess what? The Holy Spirit's not Lord of your life, and you will grieve him. Because he's grieved. You see, one of the keys to relationship with the Holy Spirit is our obedience. Because here's the question. If we continue to disobey, why would he continue to speak and trust us with more of his voice? If he knew you weren't willing to obey. If you're just learning, he will give you grace. But if you continue to not obey, he won't bother. Remember, he tends to hang around those who have the childlike faith to just simply obey. That's when our walk and relationship with the Holy Spirit begins to become exciting. But it's scary. It's uncomfortable because he will begin to tell you things and you say, oh my goodness. And I confess before you today, there's times when the Holy Spirit has spoken to me and I haven't done it simply because I was scared. And it's sin. It grieves him. And if you keep doing that, he won't bother. He only hangs around with those who are going to be totally surrendered. But see, it's all about lordship. When he speaks, will you be obedient? I like reading some of Smith Wigglesworth's books. They're good for you, actually, because if you want to know about a relationship with the Holy Spirit, read Smith Wigglesworth. What was Smith Wigglesworth, key to his life was his crazy obedience. He was just absolutely obedient no matter what. Like walking down the street and God says, I want you to go to that house. I want you to open it. They have to a little mailbox and there's a little um, place to put your mail through in the door. He says, poke it open and yell out at the top of your voice. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Never believes in him shall be saved. Just a total walking down the road. He said, what? He had a bit of an argument, but he knew it was the Holy Spirit. So he sneaks into the house, into the front door, pushes the little thing open, yells out the top of his voice, but God so loved the world that he gave it to him, and then just walked off. Right? And he was in a meeting. He was going to preach somewhere. 
And during the service, this guy jumped up and he said, that's me. He said, I was going to hang myself. I had the rope around my neck in my lounge and I heard the voice through my front door. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son who believes in his not perish. And he said, I stopped. And then I went down the road and I saw there was a meeting on. I came in here and he got saved. Right? That's obedience, you see. I mean, that's crazy. Who would do that? If you're walking down here and God said, I want you to go to that home and yell out through the door, most of the guys go, not me. Oh, I'm not going to do that. Because we're too scared. It takes absolute obedience to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Another time Smith was walking down the road to a meeting. He just saw a guy and he just went and said, put out your tongue. And he grabbed his tongue by his hand and he prophesied, you're going to be an evangelist, you're going to go around the world, you're going to preach the gospel. <laughs> Dropped his tongue and took off. Went to a meeting. This guy said, what the heck was that? So he followed him to the meeting, got saved. And he became an evangelist and went around the world preaching the gospel. Your obedience to the Holy Spirit will release the Holy Spirit to do incredible things. Is he Lord? Do you want his friendship? It'll cost you. Because he'll ask you to do things that'll make you look stupid. That's what John Wimby used to say. He said, whose fool will you be? I'm going to be a fool for Christ. Because sometimes he just makes you look a fool. But that's the key to having friendship with the Holy Spirit. See, sometimes we just don't want to do stuff. And I'm in that category. Oh, I'm not going to do that. Oh, it's too scary. There was one incident where I, I was disobedient and I, I still regret it because I knew. I actually shared someone before I went there, but I didn't do it. I had to do my, my uncle's funeral about four years ago. He wasn't a Christian, died of cancer. He asked me to do the funeral in Levin, and so I said I would do it. And it was an RSA. So you can imagine what sort of... It was all drinking away. The RSA all boozing up. I had about five words of knowledge for healing, and I knew that I was supposed to speak them out. I didn't do it. I freaked out at the right the last minute. I got scared because all that stuff. You can't do that at a funeral. You can't give words of knowledge about healing. Well, people think these are all your cousins and uncles and aunties and family, and they're all pagans in here. Ma, talk about the battle in the mind. I didn't do it. I felt so bad. I'll tell you what, I repent and repent. I still repent, even this day. You know why? Because I grieved the Holy Spirit. Who, know, who knows what might have happened if I'd spoken those words of knowledge out? Who knows? I tell you, obedience. If you want to be a friend of the Holy Spirit, you have to allow him to be Lord of your life. You have to determine, I'm going to be obedient when he speaks to me. I'm going to do it. That's going to be the real test. Because most of us say, I don't want to even ask that. Because it's too scary. But that's where you have to go if you want to see the Holy Spirit really move and you want to be his best friend. He hangs around those who are going to be obedient. Interesting, isn't it? Learn to trust his yes, but also learn to trust his no. 
because sometimes he says no. Acts chapter 6. Look at the no. Verses 8 to 10. That's a bit of a pain. It's a wrong place. Do that sometimes. I get the wrong verse. I cop it down, I get the wrong verse. Maybe it's Acts 16. There we go. Verse 16, there you go. I've got to correct that, see? Acts chapter 16, verse 6. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region. This is one of Paul's missionary journeys. Region of Piagria and Galatia, Galatia, having been kept, listen to that, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Being kept by the Holy Spirit. Again, it doesn't say how. It just says the Holy Spirit kept them. I presume that he just spoke to them and said, don't go there. But they were kept from going to a certain place. When they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus, again the Holy Spirit, would not allow them to. So they passed by Missy and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, how many have had visions here? Hands up, don't be embarrassed. Were you obedient to them? If God asked you to do something in the vision, you better be. (laughs) Because the clearer God speaks, the greater God requires obedience. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. There you have it. If the Holy Spirit is Lord of your life, he sometimes says no. Can you handle the no? No, don't do that. No, don't go there. No, or do you just ignore it? You see, if he's Lord of your life, you see, sometimes we get quite stubborn in our own way. See, here's a beautiful account of the Holy Spirit functioning as our Lord. If he tells us you not to do something, it means there's something better for you to do. His presence invites us into his obedience. And obedience increases the measure of his presence. See, if you want more of the Holy Spirit, just obey more. The more you obey him, the more you will turn up. Because he knows he can trust you. And I think sometimes he just tests us. He said, will you be obedient? Sometimes it's clear, sometimes it's not. The clearer it is, the greater the obedience he's requiring. You. One of the old prophets said, the reason God doesn't speak clearly is because of his mercy. It's being merciful because if he spoke clearly in an audible voice, that means there ain't no leeway. You better be obedient. The clearer he speaks, the higher the level of obedience is required. If it's just like a, you're not quite sure, that's God's grace and his mercy. Okay? 
It's like you're saying, well, I'm not quite sure. I've got, I've got this. That's fine. That's his grace. But if he speaks so clear, even audibly, you better watch out because that means he, there's no leeway. You better be obedient. So that's why in his mercy, sometimes he speaks sort of you're not quite sure. But the clearer it is, <gasps> oh, if you hear his audible voice, oh my goodness, that means you better do it. Otherwise, there'll be consequences. Acts 13. Let's have a look here. Chapter 1, Acts chapter 13, verse 1. Acts 13, verse 1. In the church in Antioch there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Maon, who had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, listen, the Holy Spirit said, Again, it doesn't say how. Probably not audible. Just maybe a prophetic word, I don't know. Set apart me for Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. So guess what they did? So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Obedience. Here they were just worshipping together. The Holy Spirit spoke. They fasted, set them aside, and sent them off. Obedience. They didn't call a committee. They didn't have a big, big discussion plan. Are we going to do this? Will we do it this month or next month? How do we do it? Where do we go? It's like, no. They just fasted a few more, doesn't know how long. Anointed them and sent them off. Gone. Obedience. Obedience is better than sacrifice. He wants our obedience. That's how that missionary journey started. It was simply the Holy Spirit interrupting a prayer meeting and just speaking. You see, the Holy Spirit wants our obedience. No excuses. The key word is dependence upon the Holy Spirit. He will take every weakness and hole in our lives and he will fill it with his presence. That's why the Bible says, let the weak say I am strong. It's not a sin to be weak. In fact, once our weakness has been handed to the Lord, it becomes a mighty force to be reckoned with. He takes those who are not qualified and he qualifies them with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He looks around and searches the world, not for perfect people, but for people who know they need him. Do you know you need the Holy Spirit? I like watching some of the videos of, on YouTube of Catherine Kuhlman. Who know, who's heard of Catherine Kuhlman? Yeah, not many of you. Can. You can go on YouTube. You can get all her videos. She was an amazing woman um, back in the 1970s and 1980s. She died in the 1980s. But she had an amazing healing, like a healing anointing. And you can watch her videos... But the incredible thing when you watch her videos is to see how sensitive she was to the Holy Spirit. She would have like a, she'd do these healing meetings all across the states. And you can go and watch on YouTube and watch her. She's sort of like quite a, not spooky, but she's quite just 
unusual. Right? She had a big flowing dress in the 70s and she'd waltz around the stage, like floating around the stage, really. But she had an amazing healing ministry, but she learned how to minister in total dependence upon the Holy Spirit. And she would often say, almost pleading to the crowds during the meeting, please don't grieve him. Please don't grieve the Holy Spirit. He's all I've got. She used to plead like that. And you'd watch her. She used to preach. And she'd preach for a long time. Then she would stop and just say, the master is here. Like that. And then suddenly healing would begin to break out. Just amazing healings and miracles. But she was so sensitive. But she used to plead, please don't grieve him. He's all I've got. The Holy Spirit. And she knew. She would just preach until the Holy Spirit would come into the room. And she would know and sense it. And then she would stop and say, the master's here. Really spooky voice. She's quite funny to watch. And she would just wave her hands and say, he's here. And to just say, someone up there has got cancer. Someone's eyes are opening right now on the balcony. Who is it? Don't grieve him. And people just be healed instantly. You go and watch it on YouTube. Fascinating just to watch, see how she moved. You see, she was totally dependent upon the Holy Spirit. That's why God used her powerfully. See, God uses people who do not believe that they are capable to do his work with their own ability. Catherine Kuhn was convinced of her inability, but because of that, she yielded to God's ability. One of her favorite quotes was, he doesn't choose golden vessels. He doesn't choose silver vessels. He chooses willing vessels. I love that. You see, the key to be a friend with the Holy Spirit is yielding. How yielded are you to him? That's the question. Are we totally yielded to the Holy Spirit? Or would we do what he tells us to do? Would we be obedient when he prompts us to do something? I think I've talked about this before with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Many times, many of us operate in the gifts, but we don't bring them. Why? Because we're not yielded. It grieves them. If you keep resisting them, he won't use you. He'll just go and find someone else. That's why I'd encourage you, you know, if you feel God's given you something, hopefully this is a place where you can make mistakes because you will make mistakes. But you see, the key to moving in the Holy Spirit is just trusting him enough to step out sometimes. And if you get it wrong, we'll, might be, we might correct you, but that's okay. You just keep going. But you see, he's, he's not looking for those who think they've got it together. He's looking for those who are probably the weakest, who feel they've got nothing, but they're totally yielded to him because they know that they can't do anything without him. Here's a good prayer to pray. Jesus, I'm hungry for you. I need your presence. Holy Spirit, you are the presence of Jesus. I'm not qualified to change the world on my own strength, but if you touch me, I can. I want to know you with everything within me, I want to meet you. I want to be your friend. My prayer is that you begin to ask Holy Spirit 
Can I be your friend? Would you be my friend? Begin to pray like that. So could I be your friend, Holy Spirit? Begins to see what happens. What will happen is he'll begin to ask you to begin to do stuff. And if you say, nah, he will just lift off. He will just say, okay, I'll just go and use someone else. You see, because he's always looking to move. He just wants totally yielded vessels to walk in obedience. Just in closing, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And as we read through this, you notice that it's all to do with relationships. It's living as children of light. It doesn't mean to say you're perfect, but it's making sure you keep short, short accounts. Verse 25. Therefore, each of you must put off the falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sin go down while you're still angry, and do not let give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work. Do something useful with his hands that he may have something to share with those in need. Do not let unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dear beloved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. You see, when our relationships are not right, it grieves the Holy Spirit. It's all to do with relationships. Make sure your relationships are right with one another because that will grieve the Holy Spirit quicker than anything else. Don't grieve him. Because when you grieve him, he won't... He just withdraws. He just lifts off. So oh, well, I'll leave you in that. It's like he said, oh, well, until you put that right, it's gonna, I will just withdraw. I guess that's really all I want to say, is that you have to cultivate him. I guess that, that closing scripture, remember he yearns for you like a jealous lover. Think of it like that. Talk to him like that. He said, Holy Spirit, you are a jealous lover. You want all of my love. You yearn for me. Because he woos us. And we need to learn to woo him, to draw on him and to yield him. See, even in your devotional life, learn to begin to talk to him. Say, Holy Spirit, would you be my friend? I think I said last week, I read a book where he said, what this guy, did he just 
when he sat down to have his quiet time, he just, he had a chair and he just pretended, this is the Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're sitting in that chair right in front of me. And I welcome you and I invite you to come and be my friend. Yield to him. Woo. He woos you because he's a jealous lover. We have to woo him. You have to cultivate that. And it can take some time. But you see, if we want the Holy Spirit, he's the most amazing person. He's absolutely unbelievable. He fills us with peace. He fills us with joy. He will show us things. He will tell us things. He will, he will ask us to do things. He will open doors for all sorts of things, divine appointments. As you step through the door, you'll be amazed. <gasps> Look what happened there. Simply because I was obedient. Listen to the promptings. Don't ignore them. When you're driving down the road, you get a prompting. Go and visit so-and-so. Nah, I'm not going to do that. Stop and talk to that person. You've got to be kidding. I'm not talking to that stranger. You see, listen to the promptings. As you obey those promptings, he will give you more. Because he'll say, oh, I can trust you. Because I know when I speak to you, you're going to be obedient to what I ask. That's the question. And so this morning, just examine your lives and say, Lord, when have, Holy Spirit, when have I grieved you? If I have grieved you, and where have I been disobedient? And if you know you've been disobedient, something, ask them to forgive you. And if it's appropriate, just go and do it. Might be too late now, but if it's something you know you're supposed to be doing, but you still haven't done, just go and do it. But you need to ask them to, you say, oh, forgive me. Forgive me, Holy Spirit. Because he wants to be your best friend. And remember, everything the Holy Spirit does, guess what? Takes us back to Jesus. Holy Spirit's come to glorify Jesus. Everything he does for us will be to glorify Jesus. It will always point back to Jesus. It's not about glorifying the Holy Spirit in that sense, although he is God. Don't be frightened of that, but it's always to point to Jesus. It always comes to reveal Jesus. He always comes to make us more like Jesus. We've been transformed into the image of Jesus. How he does that is by the Holy Spirit working in our lives. And he makes us more like Jesus. We're supposed to be more like Jesus. You're supposed to be more like Jesus this year than you were last year. If you're not more like Jesus this year from last year, something's wrong, don't you think, with that picture? True? Because that's the whole thing of our Christian lives. He's making us more like his son year by year. He's preparing us for eternity. That's the only reason you're here, really. He's getting you ready for heaven. And he wants you to be like Jesus. He wants you to be like Jesus to those who are around you. And that's the Holy Spirit. And so when the Holy Spirit comes, that's what he's doing. And it's often just in our simple obedience that we learn to be like Jesus. Does it make sense? Let's stand, shall we? I hope that's some help. The Holy Spirit wants to be your friend. And some of you, you know, the Holy Spirit is upon you. Some of you are very prophetic and you see things and you hear things. And sometimes you don't share those things because you're a bit shy. 
But I think we'll be amazed if some of the things, if you shared some of those things with someone, you'd, they'll be amazed. And wow, because remember, he likes hanging around certain people. He has favorites. <laughs> it's like, wow. So let's just pray, shall we? Thank you, Lord. Here we are. Holy Spirit, we want to honor you. Um, you are God. You are holy. And you are a jealous lover. You yearn to be welcomed like a jealous lover. You yearn for us to welcome you. And so, Holy Spirit, we welcome you into our lives. We welcome you into Southside. We want more of you. Holy Spirit, you're the one that comes and heals. You're the one that comes and delivers. You're the one that comes and saves. You're the one that makes us whole. You take weak vessels. You don't take perfect people. You take broken people. People at ecstasy, they just know they need you. I thank you, Father, we would be those that are just totally yielded to you. Holy Spirit, we invite you to be Lord. Forgive us those times where we've been disobedient. Forgive us those times when you've nudged us and we've just ignored it. Forgive us those times when we've broken relationship with people. We've said things we're never sent, meant to say. We've spoken words that have been unkind, out of anger. We've spoken words that have hurt people. Forgive us. We yield to you, Holy Spirit. And we invite you to come into Southside. We invite the breath of your wind. We invite your presence. We invite a move of your spirit. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We give you permission to mess up our lives. I even thank you for the word that Sophie brought, Lord God. I remember about five, six months ago in the rumpus. I knew it was a word of you, Lord, that she said, Holy Spirit wants to come, but are you really, do you really want him to come? Because when he comes, he'll mess up your life. Are you willing for the Holy Spirit to come and mess up your life? Lord, that's the big question. Would we give you permission to come and mess our lives up? Lord, I pray that we would say yes. We'd stop being stubborn, resistant, fighting you because you'll be grieved. We don't want to grieve you, Holy Spirit. So we welcome you, Holy Spirit. Just examine your own heart. All he wants is our availability, remember? And just so I'm, really, I'm prepared to yield to you. But remember that you have to be willing to be obedient when he asks you to do things. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Let's just wait upon him for a minute, eh? Just welcome him. Remember, he yearns to be welcomed. Just picture that picture. He's a jealous lover. <laughs> he just wants our love. Woo! He's got a passionate desire to control us to the point of envy. Over any indwelling sin, if you've got indwelling sin in your life, things that you know you, that you haven't dealt with, deal with them. Just 
Ask someone to pray with you. Confess them. Put them right. And allow the, give them to the Lord and allow the Holy Spirit to come and fill those areas of brokenness. Just take some time out with him. Has anyone got words of knowledge? I don't have anything particular this morning. Just ahead, left shoulder and right wrist, but it may be the right shoulder and the left wrist. But so let's just say wrists and shoulders. Oh. I feel the Lord wants to touch um, stomach problems and hemorrhoid. Stomach problem and hemorrhoid. Stomach problems and hemorrhoids, okay. Who's that? Want prayer? Don't be embarrassed. Emily. Okay, Frowley will pray for you. Anyone else? Saw down here. Left, right. Sore arm. Anyone got a sore arm? You. There you go. See all that pray for you. Just come, just come, just see all that pray for you. There's some oil down here. <laughs> She'll pray for you. <laughs> Anyone else? Jeff, pray for Mr. Coy. The children got some prayer needs. Holy Spirit, thank you for the words of knowledge. Thank you for healing. So I hope that was some help for you this morning, okay? Be Ask the Holy Spirit to be your friend and then be obedient. Bless you heaps. We're going to pray for all these ones. Because the youth service this afternoon, pray for that as well. Amen. Holy Spirit, come upon these ones that ask for healing. You're the healer. Holy Spirit, come as they're obedient to you and bring healing. Speak healing. Healing. Healing, healing, healing. I speak healing in Jesus' name. Bring healing in Jesus' name.
love and beauty is worth. Nothing in this world can satisfy. Jesus, you're the cup won't run dry.
Yeah. 